Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D. Today, I'll be covering the case of Oriana Myers in Williamsburg, West Virginia. Let's get right to it. Around 3.30 p.m. on December 8, 2020, a 911 call was placed by a concerned citizen reporting a fire at 611 Flins Creek Road. Emergency crews rushed to the scene and arrived in minutes. The home was already engulfed in flames. Firefighters sprang into action and began to battle the blaze. They didn't know yet if anyone was inside. A 911 call wasn't made from the home and it was the middle of the day. Likely no one would have been asleep, so maybe it was just a freak accidental fire and property would be the only thing lost. Little did they know this would go down as one of the worst cases the people in Greenbrier County had ever seen. Less than an hour after crews arrived, at 4.30 p.m., the body of 25-year-old Oriana Myers was located at a picnic table along the south side of the home. All this according to WSAZ.com. And while locating a body outside of a burning home was shocking enough, what was most shocking was what was found with her body and how she had died. According to The Sun, she hadn't been burned or suffered from smoke inhalation and somehow managed to escape and then succumb to her injuries. No, Oriana Myers had a single self-inflicted shotgun wound to the head. A single-action 410 shotgun was found by her body. Oriana Myers had taken her own life. But where were the boys? Myers had three boys of her own and two stepchildren. She was married to the father of her youngest boys, Arakyle, age three, and Hyken, age one. She had a son from a previous relationship, Kian, who was four. And she frequently cared for her stepsons, Sean, who was seven, and Riley, who was six, since the boy's father, Brian Bumgarner, shared 50-50 custody with their biological mother, Raven. Five little boys lived at least part of the time in that home, but there was no sign of them. The biological mother of the two boys, Raven, spoke exclusively to Sun News. On December 8, 2020, she had dropped the boys off at their father's home with Myers per their custody agreement. The two women had chit-chatted during the exchange and everything had seemed fine. Later that afternoon, Raven received a text message and a photograph from Brian's cousin, who just so happened to live near the home on Flynn's Creek. The photograph showed the home she had previously dropped her boys off at, totally engulfed in flames. And the messages said something along the lines of, don't panic, but Brian's house is on fire. But as any mother would, she began to panic. She immediately called Brian, who said he was on his way. She jumped in her car, dropped her daughter with a sitter, and hauled ass towards a home, her mind racing a million miles an hour. Raven recounted to Sun News, The whole way there, I was expecting to see all five children and Oriana outside. 
The farm was packed with people, but nobody could tell me anything. It was like, check the barn, check the barn, and I was waiting for the boys to come out of the woods. My brother was telling me, don't do anything stupid, because he knew that I would jump in and try to go get my kids. But there was nothing to jump into. There was a chimney standing and flames. The home had burnt all the way down to the foundation. For hours, Raven waited for news. Had the kids made it to a neighbor's house? Had they become frightened and ran off into the woods? Hours of wondering if her two sons were still alive. Firefighters frantically searched the rubble, and they made a grisly discovery. Four of the five children's bodies were located inside the home, but they weren't killed in the fire. And although it took officials four days to find the fifth body, Raven was told that Myers had murdered all of the children and then took her own life, again according to Sun News. Raven had lost both of her sons. Her world was instantly shattered. Her daughter had lost both of her siblings. Life as she knew it had changed forever. And for what? Why had Oriana Myers murdered five innocent little boys? What kind of monster does this? And how? This was all so shocking and senseless. There were so many questions. And initially, police remained very tight-lipped, even asking the family not to speak publicly on the case, and only releasing to the public that six people were killed in a fire on Flins Creek Road. On December 10, 2020, Greenbrier County Sheriff Bruce Sloan made an appearance on Metro News Talkline. He revealed that all five of the children who died in the house fire were under the age of seven. The ages of the children were seven, six, four, three, and one, he said. He went on further to say that they were all in a two-story house on Flins Creek Road near Williamsburg, that had burned to the ground, and the mother of three of the children was found dead in the yard, Sheriff Sloan said. We have a lot of evidence. We have information that has led us to reach a certain conclusion from the findings. We would like confirmation from the medical examiner's office from some of this information. He also revealed that police were not looking for anyone else who may have played a role in the deaths, and that investigators had to go back to the scene and search for the remains of the fifth child. And while police weren't releasing information publicly, people in the town couldn't stop talking. It just didn't make sense. Why were the children's bodies found inside the home while the adult responsible for their care was found outside? How had the fire started? Everyone wanted to believe it was just a tragic accident because the alternative was far too disturbing to even comprehend. On January 21, 2020, Sheriff Sloan held a press conference and it became immediately apparent that this was no accident and the details were far more shocking than anybody had ever imagined. The sheriff said that just 10 days prior to the fire, the family's only vehicle had been involved in a crash, making it inoperable. Brian Bumgarner, Meyer's husband and father to four of the five children, had been staying with family members during the work week so he would have a ride to work. This was a point of contention between he and Myers. She grew more and more frustrated as time went on, as revealed in text messages obtained by the sheriff's office through the course of the investigation. 
things had reached a boiling point for Myers on December 6th, just two days prior to the home being set ablaze. Brian had left the house to pick up some groceries that day, when Myers started firing off text messages that were alarming to say the very least. Sheriff Sloan read some of the messages. You'll have nothing to come back to but a corpse. No one cares, why should I? Money will come and go. Once I go, there's no replacing me. Brian had responded that he had to work to get the money to pay the family's bills and buy groceries for them. Myers texted back, I beg and cry for help but never get it. It's my mental health that needs tending to. Help me. I do not care anymore. In another text message, she made a reference that Brian can't have kids if they ain't around and repeatedly referenced her declining mental state, according to Oxygen.com. The sheriff noted that despite these troubling messages and the horrific events of December 8th, there was no evidence that Myers had ever been treated or diagnosed with any mental illness, no history with Child Protective Services for any of the five boys, and between these alarming messages, there were normal everyday texts you would expect to see between a husband and a wife, according to the Bluefield Daily Telegraph. As far as authorities were concerned, this seemingly came out of nowhere. Remember, the biological mother of the two boys had an interaction with Myers earlier that day as well, and nothing outwardly seemed wrong. Sheriff Sloan went through what investigators were able to piece together from the evidence found that day. Just hours prior to the horrific events of December 8th, Myers had sent another text message to her husband, Brian, stating that she left something in their vehicle and that she was sorry she wasn't strong enough, according to the sheriff's office, as reported by WSAZ.com. At 2.25 p.m., approximately an hour before that 911 call reporting the fire, Myers was seen on surveillance video picking up the two oldest children from the bus stop. And while what is captured on video is some suspicious shit, what's not captured is also suspect. Myers was all alone at the bus stop. Where were the other three boys? The baby was just a year old, and they were usually with her. Surely she hadn't left a one, three, and four-year-old home alone. According to Oxygen.com, she normally had the three younger children with her and would make small talk with the bus driver. But on this day, she said not a single word to him. The video footage from the bus showed her wearing a coat with a hood, with a red line drawn from one side of her face up by her ear, across the bridge of her nose, all the way to the other side. One of the boys was captured on video asking if that was blood on her face, to which Myers responded, I drew on myself. You drew on yourself, he asked. The video ended with Myers walking with the two boys back towards the house. When investigators found Myers' body, she was still wearing the coat and still had the red line drawn across her face. And while we don't know exactly the sequence of events after Myers picked the two boys up from that bus stop, what we do know, as revealed by the sheriff, according to Sun.com, is that inside that home at 611 Flins Creek Road, all five children were shot in the head by Myers with a 410 shotgun. Police could confirm this because despite the condition of the remains, shotgun pellets were found in all of the five children's bodies. And this gun was not semi-automatic. This was a single-action shotgun, 
Each time Myers shot one of the boys, she would have to break down the barrel, reload another shotgun shell, charge the weapon, and pull the trigger. What horrors had those boys witnessed before their lives were robbed from them at the hands of someone they loved and trusted? That thought alone is absolutely heartbreaking and one that will haunt this family for the rest of their lives. Five innocent children ripped away before their lives had really begun. Five. Let that sink in for a moment. Myers then set fire to the home she shared with her husband and those beautiful boys. The sheriff revealed during that press conference that the home was so badly burned that investigators with the state fire marshal's office could not determine how the fire began. The only thing they were certain of was that this was arson at the hands of Myers. After setting the blaze, she went outside, waited until the fire had engulfed enough of the home that she was sure it would burn to the ground, before she went to a picnic table on the property and took the 410 shotgun she had just brutally murdered five children with, turned the gun on herself, and took her own life, according to Metro News. It was also revealed at this press conference that before Myers murdered five children, burned down the family home, and killed herself, she had handwritten three notes and a will, and strategically placed them to make sure they would be found. Three of the notes were found in a Ziploc bag duct taped to the passenger side mirror of the family car. Remember, the one that was previously in that accident and the reason Brian Bumgarner was staying with family during the work week. Yeah, that one. Sheriff Sloan read the notes at the press conference. Each note had a title scribed at the top. The first was titled, To Whomever Finds This First, and it read, to whomever finds this first, you'll need to call Brian Bumgarner. He is husband and father. You'll need to call Raven. She is the mother of Sean and Riley. If someone would please call my mother, tell her I'm sorry. This is no one's fault but my own. My demons won over me, and there's no going back. So sorry I wasn't strong enough. Thank you. X-O-X-O-O-A-M. My confession was the title of the next note. I had shot all of the boys in the head. I had set house on fire. I had shot myself in the head. I'm sorry. Mental health is serious. I hope one day someone will help others like me. Mental health is not to joke about or taken lightly. When someone begs, pleads, cries out for help, please help them. You just might save a life or more lives. Thank you, OAM. The will was also found in that Ziploc bag, and while the sheriff did not read that one out loud at the press conference, saying it was personal to the family, he did reveal that what appeared to be a bloody fingerprint was at the bottom of the note where it was signed once again with Meyer's initials, O-A-M. The final note was found on the floorboard of the vehicle, X-O-X-O. I'm so sorry, Brian. I was not strong enough for you or this family. My head is so fucked. I'm sorry for my evil crime. I was not strong enough to fight these demons. Snap, crunch, boom. So depressed, heart numb, soul completely shattered. I am sorry I failed you. I am sorry I failed our handsome boys. I am so sorry I was not strong enough. Again signed, OAM. It was also signed with a bloody fingerprint, all this according again to Metro News. My demons, my evil crime, 
cool. So we're all clear here. She knew what she was doing was wrong. And if we're looking at the legal definition of insanity, the person committing the act would be unable to determine due to mental illness that their actions were wrong. Mental health can play a role, mostly in the sentencing phase mostly in the sentencing phase, but our legal system still holds offenders responsible. Everyone wondered why she didn't call a friend, call 911, commit herself to treatment, call a crisis line, go to the hospital. Options were and are available. She could have chosen any one of them, but instead took five completely innocent lives. Let's be clear. It's obvious that Meyer's mental health wasn't in the best space. But let's look at the facts. She had never been diagnosed with anything. She had never sought help for mental health besides a handful of text messages to her husband, who clearly should have responded differently. But the events that took place on December 8, 2020, that tragically took these boys away from everyone who knew and loved them were the actions of Oriana Myers and she alone. While researching this case, I found that opinions vary wildly. There are news reports seemingly blaming everything from witchcraft to postpartum psychosis. It's hard to even begin to understand such a senseless and brutal crime. And I think we all look for a reason when something so tragic happens because our brains can't even comprehend how someone could harm an innocent child, let alone five. Let's start with the witchcraft. Headlines read, Mother, 25, who killed three kids and two stepchildren before burning down the house, practiced witchcraft and performed rituals with insect jars just weeks before the murder-suicide. Or, witchcraft rituals, disturbing details about Oriana Myers, who killed five children. Or how about occult practices? Killer mom Oriana Myers, who shot and burned five kids, was obsessed with witchcraft and performed rituals. And that's just to name a few. In the articles, posts made to Meyer's now-deleted Facebook account and still-up-and-running Instagram about rituals and the practice of witchcraft are referenced and the question was posed, was this some type of ritualistic killing? Were these murders directly linked to the occult? And since your girl is no expert in witchcraft, I did a little research of my own and then reached out to a practicing witch. She was so gracious in answering all of my questions and trying to help me understand, because honestly, y'all, I was lost. Big shout out for her being so patient and taking the time to explain things. On Meyer's Instagram, in between photos of the flowers in her garden, butterflies, and sunsets, there are references to tarot cards, dead insect jars, and rituals and manifestations. A post on 11-11-20, just a little more than a month before the murder of the boys, Myers shared, 11-11-20, the most powerful manifestation day of the century. Reading in part, on November 11, 2020, the 11-11 portal flies wide open, making it the most potent manifesting day of the last century. 11 is the master number of supernatural intuition, spiritual connection, and rapid manifestation. I've seen this post referenced in multiple articles, but this has more to do with belief and numerology. And while witchcraft and numerology often overlap, they're not directly intertwined with one another. Later on November 11th, Myers posted a photo of a candle, a feather, some herbs, and she captioned it. Embracing the 1111, magic, love, the unknown. 
signed in the same fashion as the notes found in the car. XOXO. According to our practicing witch, it looked as if Myers was simply trying to manifest what she needed in life. On November 25th, 2020, weeks before the murders, two photographs were posted to her Instagram of a glass jar containing rose petals, moss, feathers, mushrooms, moths, along with some other dead insects, with a piece of twine tied to the top of the jar. The caption reads, Made me some insect jars. This a thing or just an Oriana thing? LOL. A string of emojis and signed again, XOXO. So I did a little research, and while I can find no specific practice of creating insect jars, spell jars are a thing, but most contain crystals, herbs, spices, plants, and oil. According again to the practicing witch I consulted with, she herself has made bug jars and simply used it as a way to give back to nature. I did find that certain insects and animals represent different meanings. According to thetravelingwitch.com, the moth can symbolize a disturbed soul lost in darkness, hunting for enlightenment and ready to sacrifice itself in the heat of the light. Although similar anatomically to butterflies, moths are considered the opposite symbolically, restless, unhappy, and confused. A good animal to use in curses when you want to upset and confound an enemy and send them reeling from their path. The practicing witch I consulted for this case said moss can also be used as a symbol of death and the afterlife. There was also that red mark drawn across her face. Did that have some kind of meaning? The answer to that question depends on who you ask and precisely what teaching they follow, if they follow one, what type of witch they are, and there are so many different types, teachings, each one uniquely different. But the best answer I could find came from a book by Tamara Von Forsloon titled The Witch's Coven, Tools and Activities. There's a chapter on face and body painting and how it relates to the craft. In part, it reads, Face painting and body painting is an exciting pastime. Even our ancient forefathers and mothers donned their faces with woad for several reasons. And in case you're like me and had no clue what woad is... It's defined by Oxford.com as a blue dye obtained from the woad plant. The reasons for face painting or body painting listed in the book by Von Forsloon are war, prayer, ritual, weddings, and magic. She went on to give several examples. Shamans paint their faces to represent the animal that they are working for or with, and they can also dress in a manner to attract prey and hunting. This idea has been passed down dating all the way back to cavemen, Egyptians, and Atlanteans. But the face painting I am talking about is symbolic of magic, decorating with symbols of nature and beauty to become a step closer to nature. She went on to list examples of henna, face painting of birds, flowers, fairies, shells, and elements. And what she's talking about here is a whole lot more artistic than a red line scribbled across someone's face. There are multiple examples of face painting found with a simple Google search of Wiccan or Pagan face paint. But again, it's a whole lot more artistic and oftentimes symbols are used. Although there are depictions of a line drawn across the face, no specific meaning is given. In some forums, it was suggested that perhaps Myers opened a portal that released some kind of evil that had taken her over while diving into the occult. So I pose this question to my resident practicing witch. 
And her answer was that opening a portal, evil or otherwise, was possible if someone practicing wasn't careful when casting their circle, protecting themselves, or using a magic that they didn't understand. Witchcraft is often referenced as this completely dark and evil thing, but through my research, I found that practices vary so much throughout the different covens, sects, and throughout history. There are so many variations, depending on region, exactly which type is being practiced, and the list goes on. So let's go with what is most commonly practiced today. According to History.com, modern-day witches mostly practice Wicca, which is seen as an official religion in the U.S. and Canada. Quote, Wiccans avoid evil and the appearance of evil at all costs. Their motto is to harm none, and they strive to live a peaceful, tolerant, and balanced life in tune with nature and humanity. Have some taken witchcraft and use it as an excuse to do really evil things? Absolutely. Have they done the same with all other religions? Yes. Did Oriana Myers open some sort of portal and unleash the demons she talked about in the notes? Or was she simply struggling with her own mental health? Her youngest child was just a year old. Could postpartum depression have played a role? Could it have been postpartum psychosis? According to MarchofDimes.org, postpartum depression is marked with strong feelings of sadness, anxiety, and tiredness that last for a long time after giving birth. It can happen any time after childbirth, but often starts within one to three weeks of having a baby and generally emerges in the three months after delivery, but can appear within the first year of the baby's life. Postpartum psychosis is a whole nother story. According to a study published in the Journal of Women's Health in 2006, its symptoms include delusions or hallucinations and can put both the mother and her child in danger, health experts say. The condition affects one to two out of a thousand women and tends to present within the first two to four weeks after delivery. The onset of postpartum psychosis is often sudden. In addition to psychotic symptoms, patients can also develop symptoms of paranoia, mood swings, and confusion. One of the hallmarks of postpartum psychosis is its early onset, again, often in the first one to four weeks after the baby's birth, all according to Time.com. We know that while Myers attributed her crimes to her mental health, she had never been diagnosed with any type of mental health disorder, certainly not postpartum depression or psychosis, nor had she ever sought professional treatment. But we also know that mental health issues are underreported, and there are many who suffer in silence. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health, there is help available. SuicidePreventionLifeline.org is a great resource, and someone is available to talk 24-7. Did Myers unlock some kind of supernatural portal? Was she silently struggling with undiagnosed mental illness? Or was she just simply evil herself? We do know that she was frustrated with her situation, frustrated with her husband, frustrated that he wasn't home, frustrated that he didn't listen. Did Meyer lash out in anger against Brian? Did she murder the five boys, shoot herself, and torch the family home as a vindictive move to take away everything Brian had and everything he loved? Every aspect of the crime was well thought out. Preparations were made. This wasn't a heat-of-the-moment snap situation. This was methodical. 
This took time. Myers had even dressed for the occasion with that hood and that red line across her face. She took measures to ensure that she would have the final word and those suicide notes. She had even handwritten that will. She shot the boys in the head one by one. She made sure the house was burning before she shot herself. And it doesn't appear she burned down the house to conceal evidence, as is often the case with an arson after a murder. Oh no, she had already written her confession. She wasn't trying to conceal anything. Every detail was so meticulously planned. Is it possible she burned down that house to take something else away from her husband? She already murdered his children. Was she making sure he had nothing left? Did she just want to inflict the maximum amount of pain? What do you think? Witchcraft, mental health, or pure evil? I'd really like to hear what y'all think on this one. Leave me a comment on Instagram or on my Facebook and let me know. Regardless of why Myers had decided to commit these heinous acts, the fact is five innocent children are gone. Sean Dawson Bumgarner was seven years old and a second grade student. He loved playing t-ball and climbing trees. He was interested in space and wanted to be an astronaut. Riley James Baumgartner was six years old and in kindergarten. He loved all sports, but especially football. He was interested in music and was learning to play the piano and the ukulele. Arakyle Nova Myers was only three. He loved painting, being a kid, and sneaking around. Heiken Jirachi Myers was just a year old, the baby of the family, and being the youngest, he was spoiled by all and loved driving his toy cars. All this according to the boy's obituary on morgansfuneralhome.com. The fact that I just read the obituaries of five children who had their whole lives ahead of them breaks my heart. Kean Myers' obituary was not listed on the funeral home website. According to posts made by family members, the reason was that Oriana's family had made other arrangements for Kean, as he was Oriana's child from a previous relationship. Kean was in pre-K, and he loved being with his brothers. They were known by many as Team Shark. Shark stood for Sean, Hyken, Arakyle, Riley, and Kean. The boys were all so close. The last post made on Myers' Instagram was on Thanksgiving Day 2020. It was a Thanksgiving craft made by the boys. It read, Happy Thanksgiving from Team Shark and OB. Love my family. XOXO. That XOXO still bothers me. Raven Bumgarner, the boy's biological mother, spoke to the sun.com. It's waking up and thinking, I gotta get breakfast ready for the kids, just to realize you only have one. It's expecting to find them in their rooms, and they're not there. It's turning around the corner to see them raiding the fridge, and they're not there. I can't even bring myself to go back up there, because it's expecting them to get in my car. She went on further to say, It's like your soul is ripped out of you. How could you do that to children? They had full lives ahead of them. I feel she was of complete sound mind. She didn't write me a letter. She was selfish and wanted to hurt people. Again, speaking to Sun News. I am so interested to hear what y'all think. We can continue the discussion on my Facebook, at least of these, or on my Instagram, at least underscore of these. New episodes drop every Thursday, so make sure you subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. 
And once again, if you or someone you know is struggling, there is help. Call a friend, Google the crisis line in your state, reach out to suicidepreventionlifeline.com. Things can and do get better. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.